Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I'm super excited about today's message on excellence. Uh, as I dive more into this value of excellence, I felt the Lord really surprised me. He really surprised me. I listened to a lot of podcasts, read books on excellence, and I feel like the perspective the Lord gave in me is really beyond, transcends that. It's beyond just a practical corporate excellence. It really dives into our heart. And, and you, will, you will find out as we keep going, excellence is really about relationship. Everything ties back into covenant relationship. Um, you know, before I preach a message, I always, I prepare to a certain degree, then I pause and I seek the Lord's face because I want to make sure what comes out of my mouth comes from his agenda and not my agenda. Does that make sense? Like I got lots to say, but that's not really that important. What is really on God's heart? And when I asked the Lord, he gave me something that was really surprising. He said, he said to me, if you turn off the TV, turn off the media, and those seems like the doom and gloom over the United States right now, but if we turn that off, you listen to the voice of God, you realize God is on the move. To me, he said to me, 2020 is clarifying what's going on. It's the windshield wipers, okay? But 2021 is when you hit drive and we start going. And 2021 is time to get to work. It's time for us to extend. It's time for us to activate. It's time for us to engage, but he says, when you engage, you have to watch out for three traps along the way. Three traps. The traps, it's so specific when he spoke to me. The trap of comparing ourselves to other people. The trap of cynicism and crit uh, criticism. And the trap of idolatry, of loving what we do more than we love God. In order for us to avoid those traps... God says, I've given you the weapon of excellence, the character of excellence that you got to practice, you got to internalize into your heart so that you can be successful in these assignments. And when he said this to me, I was like, whoa, this is not just another cool talk about working hard and being excellent. This is something transcendent. And I want to share this message with you. The outline for my message today is I want to talk about, first of all, what excellence is not. Then I'm going to talk about what is the definition of excellence in the context of Livingstone's church. I want to talk about quickly why excellence is so important. And I want to give you three very basic, practical ways to live out, to act out, to internalize excellence into your heart, into your everyday life. And finally, we have a special speaker, special guest appearance I want to leave room at the very end for. So first of all, I want to talk about very quickly what excellence is not. Okay, and this is, I'm preaching to myself here. Excellence is not perfectionism. Excellent is not a weapon. We beat each other over the head because they're not doing the things up to your expectations. Shouldn't be doing this way. That's not excellent, okay? That is not the way we're going to use excellent. Excellence is not about us. It's not about causing division and friction. Now, there are absolutely times in our lives we got to call people up. We got to address issues. We got to correct. We got to have accountability. Don't get me wrong. We need to grow. Okay? But that is done through relationship, covenant relationship. It's done through grace and mercy, not by just throwing excellence in people's face. Does that make sense? I want to be very clear. Excellence is not a weapon. Okay? It's not about us doing it our way. And I have been guilty of that, and I could be guilty of that. So I want to clarify, that is not excellence. So what is excellence? The way we want, I want to define excellence here in the context of a Livingstone's church is this. It's the continual pursuit for growth to maximize the resource that God has given us to steward. So a couple of key words here. The first word is growth. It's very much like the growth mindset. We are continually in process. We're progressing. So it's not about the goal. It's not about per being perfect. Okay, we are, uh, we are in the process. 
The second word I want to focus here is uh, maximizing. Okay, excellence means you give 100% to the task that every time you step up to the plate, you bring your A game. Okay, it doesn't matter how, what level of talent you've been given, what the level of ability you've been given. You don't, you don't look to the left or the right. You focus on what you've been given. You give yourself 100% to the task. And finally, I want to focus on stewardship. Stewardship at its heart is a relationship. It relates us to God. Excellence referred not to the amount of talent you've been given, talent, authority, resource, but it refers to the level of faithfulness that you are exercising. Okay? It's not about the amount. It's about the level of faithfulness. The template or the, the foundation of excellence is found in Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents. Okay? You guys are very familiar with this parable. Jesus talked about a master going away. He gave one servant one talent, another servant two, and another servant five talents, which is a sum of money. And when he returns, the servant with one talent did nothing with it. He buried it. And he called the servant wicked because he has not utilized this talent to make more, to, to create interest or dividends, to create more wealth, to give back to the master. But when he talked to the servant with the two and the five talents, they reinvested the talent. They made more money. They reinvested their giftings. And this is what the master said to the servant. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So what we understand is that when we operate in excellence, okay, that the, the, the hard work is not out of carnal desire of performance, okay, but rather out of a relationship. Our, our desire to perform, to work hard, comes from our passion for our Father. Colossians, Paul talks about this. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So I want you guys to remember at the heart of excellence is you're maximizing the gift that God's given you, okay? But you're also not just doing it for performance sake. You're doing it because of an intimate relationship you have with God. It's out of covenant relationship. It's out of daring love. All these values come together that we work hard, okay? That's a very important distinction. So that is the definition of excellence. Now, quickly, I want to ask you to do a self inventory. You know, when we have a culture of excellence in your life, you are proactively becoming good stewards to every single one of these gifts that God's given you. So I just quickly went through our mind, my mind and I thought through what are their talents, the resources that God has given us, okay? So here are some examples. Relationships, obviously our finance, money, our talents and abilities. How about ministry or service opportunities, okay? What about our health, the temple of God that God's given us? What about time? People say time is one of the most important equities because you can't make more time. So do a self-inventory real quickly. In these areas, okay, which of these areas do you feel like you need to maybe work a little better in becoming a better steward, okay? Perhaps there's a relationship that you know God's blessed you with, but instead of really honoring this relationship you have taken for granted. Maybe one that you have a hidden talent, that you know God wants to use for his glory, but instead of uh, practicing and activating that, you're either too lazy or too scared to use it or talk about it. Maybe for some of you, it's a ministry opportunity, but for some reason you feel like it's kind of beneath you so you don't bring your A game every time you're engaged. I want you to think about, this is very practical, I want you to think about what areas you might need to work on excellence. Now I want to quickly talk about why excellence is so important, 
Okay? Three reasons. The first reason is you gain credibility. In other words, you have greater authority to speak into other people's life. The reason for this is people can smell out excellence. They can tell if you bring your 100% every day to the game. They can tell if you're just coasting by your talent. Okay? Even more important, people are drawn towards excellence because when you're living with excellence, there's a passion that comes out of you. People can tell that you're living for something bigger than yourself, and that draws people in versus being someone who's extremely talented, but you bring your, your D game your, and your, your C game, and people can tell, man, that guy's just mailing it in. So it's so important for us to demonstrate excellence so we can become better leaders and we can speak into people's lives. The second reason we need to practice excellence is because we gain effectiveness, okay? We create greater margins in your life, and this is very, very practical. I mean, I just think about for me. When I am practicing good stewardship and excellence in my personal finance, for example, okay, I just make sure I don't spend more money than I make, something very practical. That means I can create more margins in my life. I have more resources to do ministry, more resources to help others. How about this? I don't have to work extra time so I have more energy and more time for my family and for my friends. When I practice good excellence and good stewardship for my body and my health, I have more energy. I'm not, in, I'm not sick all the time. I have more margins in my life to bless other people, to serve other people. This is as practical as it gets. So when we practice excellence, we gain effectiveness. There's more margins in our life. And finally, this is probably the most important one. When we practice excellence, you gain faithfulness. The parable of the talent is so, it gives us a clear path for us to get promoted by God. Now, is there anyone in the room who don't want to get promoted by God? Who's just like, God wants to give a promotion, but I'm good where I'm at. I'm not talking about worldly promotions or promotions you have to manipulate or, or bribe or whatever. For. I'm talking about godly promotion. I'm talking about promotion that God says you are ready for more authority, more resource, more intimacy. Okay? Genuine authority from God. Who doesn't want more authority from God, more, more promotion from God? And the surefire way to get more promotion from God is from that parable of talent. God says if you are faithful with the little I've given you, I will give you more. So when we practice excellence, we gain faithfulness. Summarize why we want to be excellent in Proverbs 22, 29. He says, do you see a man who excel in his works? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown man. That's the reason why we need to practice excellence. Now, I want to really get to the heart of my message, which is what are three ways we can practically pursue excellence. And this is where it's going to hurt a little bit. Okay, This is where we kind of get going. And again, I'm trying to make this as practical as possible. If you practice these three things, if you make it part of your lifestyle, you will start to walk into greater and greater excellence, okay? The first one is very simple, okay? Let's put the first one up. Ask for help. Ask for help. I truly believe God has placed relationships, hidden excellence around us, and we simply don't have the eyes to see, Okay? So for very, very practical, if you, if you struggle financially with excellence, okay, I'm not talking about how much money you make. I'm talking about being excellent, being good stewards of your finance. Go find someone who's practiced excellence in their finance. Don't go find the richest person you know because that doesn't necessarily mean they're excellent. Does that make sense? If you struggle with being excellent in your health, in your body, in your diet, Find someone who's practicing excellence. Again, I'm not saying go find the guy who's the fastest or the strongest and lift the most weight. That doesn't necessarily mean they're practicing the, practicing the most excellence. 
find the person who's becoming the best steward of what they've been given and ask them for help. I believe, I have learned that for us to truly come to the place of excellence and maximize the gifts that we've been given, we need accountability, we need people to challenge us, we need a coach, a coach. Now, I just want to dispel that the common reason we don't ask for help, we don't ask for the coach, is the same reason for years I didn't want to ask for help, and I don't want to ask for a coach, and the reason is this, we think it's weak to be coached. We think it's embarrassing to ask other people to help us. I used to think, I'm good. I don't need a coach. Okay, it demonstrates weakness. But if you really think about it, the best of the best in the world, what do they do? The best athletes, the best performers, actors, singers, what do they do? Every single one of them have coaches. Because they recognize unless they have a coach, they will never maximize their talent. And these are people in the world. Does that make sense? Think about these um, us top athletes, NBA basketball stars who can shoot jumpers like no one's business. They still hire shooting coaches to make their form just a tiny bit better because they want to maximize their talent. In fact, there are coaches, acting coaches, seeing coaches who won't even take you as a student unless you have demonstrated a level of proficiency and dedication. Isn't that correct? The best coaches. Now, again, I used to think it's weak for us to be coached, it's pathetic for us to be coached until I listened to a podcast by Pastor Craig Rochelle. For those who don't know who he is, he pastors the largest church in America, Life Church senior pastor, and I'm not putting him on the pedestal, but to me, he seems like a person who demonstrates excellence, okay? He demonstrates, he, 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 he works hard, he demonstrates excellence. And while I was listening to this podcast, he was talking about how he has, oh, I don't remember the exact number, he has over 10 coaches in his life. He has a coach for his health, he has a coach to communicate, he has a coach for his marriage, he has a coach for his finances, he goes on and on and on and on, and I'm just thinking, this is crazy. Why would Craig Rochelle need a coach? And the reason is because you don't ask for a coach because you're weak. You ask for a coach because you are strong. Think about this. When you're asking, inviting a coach into your life, you are secure enough for someone to challenge you, to give you the hard truth, and someone to push you to grow. Does that sound like weakness to you? No, asking and inviting a coach into your life is actually an indication of true strength. When I realized that, I was like, wow, we all need to invite coaches in our life. And I'm not saying go out there and get a personal trainer. We all don't have finances. I certainly don't have finances for that. But I truly believe if you have the eyes to see, you look around the people around you. There are people demonstrating excellence in your family, in your friends, in your life group who you simply can ask them and say, hey, can you give me some counsel? Can you give me some coaching in this area? Because I really need help, okay? Simply humbling yourself and asking for help will take your excellence to another level. So that's the first step, ask for help, as practical, as easy as it gets. The second practical way is this, bring passion every day. Bring passion every day. So follow my train of thought, okay? To be excellent, okay, you have to bring your 100%. You have to bring your A game every time you step up to the plate. In order for you to do that, especially consistently, you need a level of emotional engagement, emotional push, okay? And that's what this means by passion. Passion, you got to understand, 
brings everything to the next level. Now, for me, I would consider myself not an overly emotional person, okay? But I have learned how important it is for us to be intentionally, to be passionate. Now, I'm not saying artificially make something up and be fake about it. I'm talking about truly rekindle the emotions and the passion of your heart. Now, why is passion so powerful? Passion overcomes the most difficult tasks. The most mundane task, when you have passion, you can overcome it. But without passion, it could be the easiest task, and it will take you forever to get it done. Passion is infectious. Now, you realize when you give a call to change, okay, that call to change is always done through passion and not through just cerebral uh, knowledge. Okay, giving people a flowchart or giving people a spreadsheet doesn't usher them to change their life. Does that make sense? I've never been changing my life through a lecture, through on PowerPoint. It's an emotional charge that's infectious, that leads people, that changes, that causes people to want to change. But the most important reason for passion, and Pastor Ron talks about this all the time, is because when we serve God with passion, it's a fragrant offering unto God. Okay, and the example I'm going to give is, you know, when my, I ask my kids to do mundane tasks all the time because in reality, they can't really do much besides that right now, like clean the room, okay, clean the house. And when they, as they mature, right now when they're doing it, they're not doing it with much passion because the task itself is not that interesting. But what I like to see is as my kids mature, they start to activate more and more passion. Okay, when I say, hey, go clean up, they do it happily. They do it with passion. Not because they love cleaning so much, but because they love me. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's so important for us to bring passion because it makes our offering, our service, a fragrant offering unto God. Passion is a crucial part to excellence. But bringing passion day to day is very difficult because passion, like many other things, leak. How do we refuel our passion? We need to first find the source of passion, okay? And here's the takeaway. The source of our passion is the cause, the why. Why do we do why? I want to go back to a movie in the 90s. You guys remember the movie Armageddon? Back in the 90s, saw it in college. For those who haven't seen it, it's a movie about a big asteroid or a meteor or whatever that's coming to destroy the earth. And the U.S. government and NASA found a ragtag team of oil drillers, okay, was going to send them on a spaceship onto the asteroid, dig a hole and blow it up. I know it's crazy, but that's not my point. <laughs> so these oil drillers spend all this time training, this fun montage, but the day before they're supposed to go and this daredevil mission in which most of them will probably die, okay, the leader played by Bruce Willis says, we're going to take a day off. I'm going to send all these guys home. They're going to see their families. They're going to go out and do whatever they want to do. They're going to enjoy their night. And all the NASA guys and the governmental guys are like, no, 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 security risk. We can't be doing all this. And Bruce Willis said, I'm not asking. These guys are wearing thin. They need to go and see what they're doing this for. You know, and this is a Michael Bay movie, so I'm not giving too much credit to this. But, but I remember even in college watching that and just thinking, wow, there's something really deep to this. For us to recapture our passion, we got to find our cause. What is the reason for our passion? What is the cause for our passion? When we lose our passion, it's because we have forgotten the reason to do what we do. You know, for me, before I need passion, Okay, before I come and preach, before I lead my life crew, before I have hold meetings, before I lead other people, before I need to bring passion. Okay, 
I don't know about you, but I can't fake passion. I can't just conjure up. I can't just like psych myself up, listen to music or something like that. I have to get before the presence of God. I have to actually experience his greatness and his passion and love for me. I have to get into his presence and say, Lord, do you truly want to partner with your son or am I just faking all of this? And every time without fail, God comes before, uh, God allows me to come before his presence. He brings the experience of being with him. And my heart overflows with love and affection for him. And then I'm, I'm, I'm flooded with passion. It comes automatically. I don't have to feel, I don't have to manufacture passion. I just need to become, come to the presence of the Almighty One. His greatness fuels our passion. This is how it works. I'm telling you, if you are on the pursuit for excellence in your life, you want to become more and more excellent, you have to have passion in your life. And if you truly pursue passion, it will revolutionize your private, your secret place, your devotional time with Jesus. This is how it's changed my life. Does that make sense? My devotional time is no longer just a checklist. Well, I got to read my Bible. I'm a pastor. That's what we do in the morning. Get up, read my Bible. No, it's a refueling charge. It's a time in which is indispensable to my day because I need to bring passion. So I go, I charge up with God, experience his presence, and my heart is overflowing with passion. I'm telling you, if you struggle bring passion to your everyday life, okay, if you say, hey, I got to be more excellent in the pursuit of my wife, bring passion in that area, okay? That helps in while you're pursuing your wife. If you want more excellence in pursuing your kids, bring passion. If you want to be more excellent at work, if you want to be more excellent in ministry, in greeting people at the door, in your life group leading, in, in, in doing the most mundane tasks, you want to bring more passion, get back to the presence of God. Ask the why. And for some of you, you might, need to, you might need a complete different why. You've been serving the wrong cause. That's why there's no genuine passion in your life. So that's the second way, is to bring passion every day. And the third way is this. You have to stay in your lane. Now, the service ends at 945, right? I'm trying to get all the times right. <laughs> stay in your lane. This is so crucial for each one of us in the upcoming days as God is looking to partner with every single one of you, stay in your lane. We cannot afford to act like the world. The world derives its energy, its motivation, its drive through comparing ourselves with other people. Think about this. The problem for us in the kingdom of God is when we go down that path, even when we win, we lose. So I compare myself to someone who's uh, better than me, okay? I look at him, I get jealous of what he has and what it causes in my heart is insecurity and self-condemnation. So I lose. Now I compare it to someone who I feel like I'm better than them. That leads to pride, leads to judgment. I still lose. When you go down the path of comparison, it's a lose-lose situation. The parable of the talent is such a great way to describe what this, the actuality looks like. The only person we should ever compare ourselves to is ourselves. Because only God truly knows how much talent each person has been given. So as a pastor, I see this all the time. I see it in my own life. I see it in other people's life. Suppose someone's been given four talents. Just for example, four talents. Instead of using all their energy and maximizing that four talents, to look at the guy with eight talents and be like, I wish I was like that guy. Now what he doesn't realize is the guy with eight talent 
is only stewarding six talents. So really, this guy with eight talents is not practicing excellence. But you have no clue because you're not God. And you're busy worshiping this guy with eight talents instead of focusing on the four talent that you have. And I see the guy with four talent, look at the guy with two talent and judging him and saying he's not working hard enough, he's not doing enough. Not realizing the guy with two talent is actually giving everything he's got, the only two talent he's been giving. So they land in judgment. That's what happens in the church all the time. Paul talks about this. Romans 14, he says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servant, and fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. That is not forget. We are all the Lord's servant. Stop judging each other's master I mean, servants. Only the master know how many talent has been given. There is also another danger when we start judging or comparing ourselves with each other. Okay, when we start doing that, we open down. We open the door for us to find our affection, our affirmation, not in God, but in what we do. We start opening the door to idolatry. We start loving our task, our assignment. We start loving the accolades or the affirmation that comes from people when we do things well, from success instead of God. And that happens all the time. That's a trap the enemy has set for us. That happens all the time. When you preach a good sermon, people come and say, great job. You start finding your love for the accolades and not in God. Because you go down that path of comparing yourself. It's a sin of idolatry coming back onto us. And next thing you know, we lose connection with our Heavenly Father because our love is disconnected. Remember, excellence at its heart is a covenant relationship of faithfulness unto our Father. Remember that. So when that connection is severed, all you have left is your own agenda, your own selfishness. That's what happens when we start comparing ourselves to each other. This is a very dangerous thing. We have to guard ourselves from these traps. A person who has truly embraced excellence runs the race with blinders on. Okay? They run like this. Their only competitor is themselves and their only audience is Jesus Christ. Now, God understands how difficult this character is to forge in us, excellence. It's how hard it is to forge in our hearts. So what God does for those he wants to use, which is every single one of you, Okay, for those he's planning to use, what he does is he puts you in a special gym, a special workout that might last a little bit of time. When you're in this special gym, this special uh, workout, he puts you in situation and task environments in which you feel like you are disconnected from the desires of your heart, okay, from your call and from your passion. You might feel a little bit lost. And here's a surefire sign that you're in this place. When you look all around you, all your friends, all your peers are moving towards their vision, their goal. They're moving to where they're called to be, and you feel left behind. If you feel left behind, you're in that place. And you look around, you know you're not supposed to compare yourself to other people, but you can't help but say, what's wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? Because they seem like they're all moving along in life. Again, that's not necessarily true, but that's how it seems like to you. And then you look at the task before you. You look at the assignment before you. Even though you will never admit it to anyone else, okay, in your own secret place, in your own quiet time, you said to God, I feel like I'm better than this assignment. I feel like this task is beneath me. You know, I shared, I worked at the alternative school for 10 years, Crown Point High School the alternative school for 10 years. And again, 
it was a great job. Really, looking back, it was a great job. I worked with great people. But the assignment itself was just not my personality. I dread going to work every day. And bringing excellence to that task was one of the most difficult things. Okay? It was such a push. And trust me, I wanted to get out of that job. I applied for every single job there is. I even applied to Olive Garden. I wanted to get out <laughs> of the alternative school. I applied everywhere. I had such a hard time bringing passion, bringing excellence. And in the beginning of my years at the old school, first four years, I was actually living with Pastor Ron in his basement. So he was a 30-year-old guy uh, looking around. All my friends, all my peers were getting married, having kids, living their dream job. That's how I feel. I was so jealous of people. Everything in me that wanted to compare myself to other people was being revealed. I was struggling. But in this season, the person who encouraged me the most in the scripture was the story of Joseph. It was Joseph. You guys remember his story. Joseph, as a favorite son, lived off a spirit of comparison. He felt good about himself because he was better than his brothers, or he felt like he was better than his brothers. His, his father loved him more than his brothers. And you guys know his story. He got sold into slavery. He was in Potiphar's house, but he practiced. He learned excellence. He gave his 100%. God was with him. So he was raising up to the ranks to be, to be the head of the household for the Potiphar. But then he was falsely accused. He went to jail. But you can't hold an excellent man down. He practiced excellence again. And the Lord lifted him up. So the, the warden for the jail puts him in charge of everything. In the middle of all of this, he interpreted dreams for a couple different people. He said to one guy, the cupbearer for Pharaoh, say, remember me when you get out. Remember me. But the Lord says, it's not time for you to get out yet because there's still things in your heart that needs to be changed and needs to be forged. So he had to wait two more years. But in due time, God raised him up, he interpreted dreams for Pharaoh, and God put him to become the right-hand man, okay, for all of the kingdom of Egypt. Lessons I learned from Joseph, real quickly, if you're in this season of your life. Stop wasting energy complaining about how difficult this time was. And trust me, I have complained and complained and complained about that difficult season. But instead of using your energy to complain about that season, use your energy to focus on what God's trying to teach you. This is what God's trying to do in your heart. Okay, He's trying to detox your desires for performance, for work, to find affirmation in comparing yourself with other people. See, I grew up very insecure. The only affirmation I got was comparing myself with other people. I worked hard to get good grades because that's the only thing I had. It was so interesting. In high school, I compared myself to other people, so I worked so hard to get grades. I didn't care about getting learning. I didn't care about going to college. I just wanted to be better because that was my drug. Interesting, when I went to college, when no one compared anybody to anybody anymore, I just stopped working hard. And that's when it, showed, I, 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 it was revealed to myself how addicted I was to comparing myself to other people and how toxic that was. And God uses season, he uses time to just rip out that, that, that nuance, that toxicity of us being dependent, being addicted to accolades, to success, to comparison. He wants to forge in our hearts a brand new desire. And when you're in this season, when you're in this gym, you might ask this question, how long will it take for me to get out? And when you're asking this question, the answer is always going to be not long enough. Because as soon as you ask that question, you are not ready to get out. Because when you still want to get out, the task is still too important. Because in the, the day, it's not about the task, it's about the person you serve. 
So do you know when it's time for you to get out? When the Lord says it's time for you to get out, this is when you no longer care to get out. When this place of torment is no longer tormenting. When these mundane tasks used to kill you, you no longer care anymore. Because you realize it's not about what you do, it's who you're doing it with, your Heavenly Father. This is such an important key. First Peter, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Those verses have served me, saved me over and over again. Because when I was struggling to get promoted by God, God, promote me, take me to the next place. I used all my strength. I was, I was stressed out trying to get myself out, working hard. getting. My, I was responsible for my promotion. But what this verse says is, no, God is responsible for your promotion. You are responsible for one thing. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and trust God's timing. When God lifts you up, nothing, no force in this world can tear you down. 